Welcome, everyone, to American Girls, the podcast. This is the show where we're reliving the American Girls series, book by book. I'm Mary. I'm still Allison, surprisingly. That is, you know, it continues to surprise us all, Allison. But, you know, these are the choices we make. This is life in 2022. And, you know, we are joined today by a very illustrious guest. Yes. So I don't know. I feel a little bit like, you know, when we had a second birthday, we played off, you know, the Olsen twin kind of theme. And today I feel like we are joined as if by like the most famous Olsen of them all, except we are in fact joined by a wonderful person who is working with us this year. She is going to say hello to us. This is Anna Lee, who is part of our team for the summer. Oh my gosh. Hello. What a, what a, what an opening. So many compliments, so many just like favorable comparisons. You accept this is, that. This is, I, I do. You know what? I've like my therapist says, you know, I got to accept compliments. So I'm, so I'm going to accept that. We're just here to lift it's you hard. up. We're just here to lift you up. And hopefully if you're like the Elizabeth Olsen of this team this summer, like we won't end the summer with you treating us like John Krasinski, where you don't know us. And in fact, you were in a movie with us as came out on her polygraph test or Vanity Fair, which I don't again, I don't know why celebrities keep agreeing to do this. But she was like, yeah, I don't know him. And it was like, here's a photo of you guys on a movie set. You were in this movie. And she was like, oh, um, no, that's pretty know. rough. If you're John Krasinski, you know, that's you're married to Emily Blunt. You got a couple of really good horror films out there. You're really trying to make a name for yourself and then you just kind of like you get slammed by like just such a cool person and you're like oh man this hurts it's tough i mean that's my that's my fear i don't want to be that person at the end of the summer like hopefully you'll still want to be associated with us is where i'm going i mean of course this. i will if anything more so okay. i mean like mary's been getting my five thousand emails about like housewives every every other day and I, I appreciate that. And Allison let me talk on the phone with her forever. So, um, I mean, you're stuck. Wow. Which is actually a, a far more rarity than perhaps uh, I acknowledge. I'm in shock right now. I can't believe Allison deigned to speak to anybody on the phone. I picked oh up. Oh, my God. I picked up. We, I mean, it's a at least three-year-old joke on the show now. Yeah. But the line, um, I'm not always there when you call, but I'm always on time. I, I am almost never there when anyone calls. So I mean, first ring she picked no. up. First ring. It was like, I was shocked. I thought I was going to have to like voice me. Did you just cold call? Did you plan call. this? Like, how did you She's... get in there? <gasps> oh, whoa. Oh, my God. Annalie, that's so brave. She was like, I need to talk to you about something related to, to like behind the scenes. And I was like, oh, yeah, like I'll just call her. Like, you know, because I'm always panicked because I'm Love three that. hours behind everybody in my life. And so I'm always just like, oh, I got to call. I got to call. And I called not thinking. And it was like one ring. Bam. I was shocked. I have to keep people guessing. That's the reality. I mean, I guess you still are. I'm still guessing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm not brave enough to do that. Honestly, wow. I don't even pick up on the first ring. I'm I'm always so panicked. You know, I'm like, you ever like get a phone call and like as it's ringing, you're like Googling the number to like see what it is, if it's like a scam call or something. Absolutely. So not even bothering. Sidebar. (laughs) 
just hitting hitting the the do not accept button or on do wow. not disturb. So I was expecting your business inquiry, which is why I had my telephone ready and alert. And so you called at at a perfect moment. So I I did answer. I also have my Fitbit connected to my telephone. See? Wow. Okay. I don't know. That was possible. Like learning a lot right now. I wow. I mean, I'm actually of the two of us more phone forward. Like I will call. I enjoy talking on the phone, but. I don't do well with cold calling. I get anxious about that. So I respect that you did that. Love that you guys connected. You know, Annalie, what can I say? It's been a summer of surprises, of great collaborations. Your zine is out. Do you want to say anything about your zine? Um, You know what? It was such a lovely process um, going through all the wonderful submissions we got from our listeners and, you know, trying to create something that respected, um, what they sent in to us and um, was sensitive to the subject matter. Um, it was it was just such a lovely process. I really enjoyed it. I really like creating things. I really like making zines. So to do something, mm-hmm. to be given the opportunity to do something that was about building a community around a passion of mine, which is zine making, um, it was such, it was just, it was such an honor, you know? So to the listeners that submitted stuff, you know, I, I loved it. And uh, thank you for being so brave. I know it's really hard to put yourself out there, you know? Totally. Thank you. I know I keep saying thank you, but like, really, I've, I have nothing else to say, but like gratitude <laughs> that you guys just let me uh, like just make a scene. Like it's, it's kind of like a, it's a dream. Annalie, we hope you have more to say because we have a bursting mailbag of questions oh my gosh. and your questions. I have so many good questions here. Like, I mean, every single one of them, I was like, yes. this is, this is, this is amazing. These are questions that just float through my head naturally. And now we get to talk about them. It's what a time to be alive. I mean, before we hop into the mailbag, which is going to be epic, is there any kind of pop culture thing you want to recommend to folks? Ooh, I mean, you, so Allison had you were talking about season two of the wilds right yes i just finished the first season and now i'm like very nervous about the second season you should be should i go forward with it or should i exit because the first season was electric this is a wonderful question so season one presumes a certain setup with all women and then season two expands to a world that includes a different dynamic and that's all i want to say without giving a lot away The show has been canceled as of right now. So we're only getting two seasons. We're waiting on Yellow Jackets. We're waiting on other things to come back. I am still going to recommend it. I am going to say absolutely go for it. I find it fascinating. There is a use of a particular song that I found really, really fascinating that has kind of stayed with me. And I don't tend to connect to music on that level. So that's all I'll say about that. I am going to highly recommend it. It's summer. I'm rewatching Girls, which I think probably says enough. But you know, we're all we're we're all uh, in a summer. It's a period piece because it's now a decade old. I can't even like I can't even fathom like what it's like to rewatch I that can't. right now. I, I literally can't. I remember being in college when that first came on, and I watched the first season, and I was like, I don't know if I like this. Do- do I like this? Do I not? Like, how do I feel about this? And then um, I never revisited those feelings. You know, maybe, <laughs> like, maybe I should. 
I think with a decade of distance, right, so that was sort of made right, you know, kind of as part of like the tail end of the Obama era. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy watching like the way that they use their cell phones differently. We previously, I should, I'm using royally, I made comments previously about Lena Dunham that rightfully people had, you know, further commentary on. My dissertation defense happened right after the finale of season six, and that's all people were talking about. So I have like weird feelings about it for that reason. But now I have enough time from all of it right. where I can go back and appreciate. I'm shocked by so many things, like especially like how Adam Driver in the past 12 years has gone from that to where he is today, among others. So I have to say I highly recommend it. Everyone is is not... <laughs> engaging everyone is serious <laughs> silence everyone's <laughs> listen i think what we're hearing in the silence is general support for this life choice on your behalf but an inability to know or to commit to double down on that like i i just know personally i can't go there right now with her but i want to support you in doing it because i get based on what you just said why it makes sense but i just there's like at the marnie of it all like i can't I can't take that on. Like I've, I've like had to dispense with the Williams family as of, you know, in the past few years. And so I feel like I don't want to go back on that. I right will now. tell you what triggered but... this. I saw a tweet and it said, Marnie Michaels walked so that Kendall Roy could run. And it was referencing Marnie Michaels doing a, her own version of a Kanye West song, Harder, Faster, Stronger. And then it cut to Kendall Roy. And I was like, I need to go back to here because one, there's changes with HBO programming and their online platform. And I need to like fully understand what's going to happen there. And two, I'm loving it. Like I have watched five seasons in less than a week. You know, it's so funny because this past week, all I've been like, I get random phrases stuck in my head. Um, and the one that's been stuck into in my head recently has been like L to the OG, dude being OGA and he playing, you know? So I, I like, I've been actually been doing a succession rewatch because I got my sister into it. So it, it's feeling like it's just jarring going from like, just got off of Sopranos rewatch, then went transitioned into Succession. There was Frasier in between, which was like a dark oh. time, you know. And uh, not because I don't like Frasier, wow. it's just I feel like if you're rewatching the entirety of Frasier, there's a lot that you're trying to process. You know what I mean? Okay, interesting. I recently on Instagram asked, like, should I be like, what show should I be watching? And I had very divergent views where people were like, free. I posted that someone said I should watch mm -hmm. Frasier. And then I got a lot of responses that were like, absolutely no, or I love this show. It, you know, it's so soothing. You have, I can't believe you've never seen it. So it's like, people are really on all, all like, I have never engaged Frasier or Cheers. So I don't really know. I'm not in this debate, but I'm just saying I'm aware now that there is apparently some kind of like debate or just there's strong feelings about I didn't about know this that. Show. I mean, I just grew up with like Frasier being on in the background, you know, like with reruns on like, tbs or tnt and sure, so yeah. i don't really like i've never seen an episode of cheers just haven't um yeah but like there's something soothing about it you know personally like i don't know like i said it was i just finished the semester you know i was doing a lot of final projects yes. and so you know we go to dark places when we're back in academia I hear that. The summer I had to read for comps, I watched all of Friday Night Lights, and I'm not a football person. I'm that got no, me. No, it's a place. good show. Oh, I do love that show, Connie Britton. 
I still, if I'm having a bad day, some hero put a video together of all the times Connie Burton says y'all in Friday Night Lights. And I just watch it and I'm like, this is, I don't know why, but this is doing it for me. But anyway, I, I feel like we could talk about our TV loves for days and perhaps this will come up in the mailbag. But Annalie, are you prepared to kind of throw questions at us that came into our mailbag? Uh, absolutely. I, I mean, the first one is going to be more geared towards the both of you. Um, this is a general update question. Um, it's important. So they, Melissa wants to know any updates on the book. Yes, the book is done. The book is coming out fall 2023. The book is going to be called Dolls of Our Lives. And that was actually a title suggested by one of our listeners. So thank you to, I think a couple maybe people suggested that, but we're very excited for it to come out. And it's going to kind of, I don't know what more we want to say about it, but the structure of it is each chapter is going to be one of the, like proceeding through the traditional six books. So like chapter one is meet. Mary and Allison and so on. We learn lessons. We go on a trip. We explore the culture of AG. And also we had a storytelling project on our site still there. And you can share your own experiences. And folks could tell us if we could share their stories in writing our work that we did um, and whether or not they wanted it attributed to them. And we use that and a bunch of other interviews to make it really a history, not just of our own experience with American Girl, but of like an entire generation and beyond of people who love American Girl. So that's what the book is taking on. And yeah, it'll be out fall 2023. Um, and who's who's the publisher? So we are with an imprint called File and Friends, which is under Macmillan. And you can actually find our book, Some Hero Put It on Goodreads, as the untitled project by the two of us. So you can already give us a, fi- a five star Whoa. if you feel so inclined. But <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Because I found it completely by accident while looking for something else. So uh, it does exist in a few places on the internet, but you are going to be seeing a lot more about it soon. And I only you know, put that question as a mailbag question once, but that along with a few other things are definitely our most popular questions. So there will be even more updates coming very, very soon. This is like so exciting. I mean, this must be uh, obviously working in academia, you've been published before, but what does it mean to be published under something that, that is so deeply personal to the both of you? It's very different. It's very different than other kinds of writing. And we read books by a lot of people that we really respect and admire to figure out what, you know, this project might look like. And we also read books by a lot of podcast hosts. And there are a lot of different levels of people who are able to kind of turn a podcast into a book. Like you said, we've done like very different kinds of writing before. I think people will enjoy it who enjoy the podcast and I think there will be people who don't know about the podcast who want to seek it out and I think there are all sorts of other people who might just be interested in culture and ideas about what girlhood is or means who might want to check it out as well so I think that will all be very cool Uh, and there's so many things happening kind of behind the scenes that it's getting more real and there will be I think in our minds like a clearer vision of what you're actually going to hold in your hands by next fall, like very soon. <laughs> so I think I think that also kind yeah. of helps. But, you know, to your point, I think it's it's different when you write in a personal way. Like I think academia never fully fit me because 
you were always kind of encouraged like not to make things personal um, at least kind of explicitly although of course everyone's choosing whatever research topics they pursue based on their own experiences but you're supposed to kind of act like that's not happening um, in certain fields and I think what was cool about this experience was you know I grew up loving Sarah Vowell's books and I think a lot of this book is kind of an homage to that kind of writing where it is personal but it's and it's going to places but it uses interviews and travel as a way of thinking about bigger ideas in history and in pop culture. And, you know, it's it was very special to be able to write about like personal experiences. Like we each write our own history with the brand, how our own American Girl story. And we offer resources to encourage people who read the book to kind of think through their own story and what that's about. So it's really a history of like a community. It's not just our histories, but it is special to get to kind of share things like that. There's a lot of stories from our own experiences that we haven't talked about on the show that are in the book. I mean, Sarah Val, I feel like meant a lot to me growing up. I know my friend, my good friend Morgan, um, she bought me my first Sarah Val book. Uh, I think a lot of our, a lot of the listeners probably have that connection to Sarah Val. So it's interesting. I'm really excited that it, it, it seems like it's taking on that format because my dream book would be the both of you just go around to shaker sites a la Sarah Val. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, um, wow. You know, just like discuss them and write just like wonderful essays about it. I really love that. I really love that personally. Yes. And I also love that you tipped me off to the fact that Girls Trip Real Housewives season two had an entire episode practically filmed at Hancock mm-hmm. Shaker Village where they had a dinner. And Allison, you need to watch this even if you've never seen Housewives because Dorinda up top is like to the other ladies, like, let me tell you what the Shakers are about. And then proceeds to say something that's completely nonsensical. She's like, yeah, so they would have mass here and stuff. And they would just kind of jump around and roll around. And, you know, that's how you get, you know, they were shaking. So, you know, that's what that was all about. And I forget what else she said, but I was like, wow, if Mother Anne could hear this, like in a way, it's like fascinating. And just these ladies didn't get it. I'm like slurring too. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, things that happen, but. I'm just yeah. like, you're at a shaker site. This is awesome. And instead, the women are like, oh, my God, it smells like cows in here. And they're in the circle bar. And I was like, guys, architectural wonder. And they're like, oh, like too many stairs. Like, where's dinner? And I'm like, guys, it was just, you know, like when two disparate things come together and you're just like, wow, I think my head is going to explode. That was the experience of watching that episode. So thank you for so, that. Of course, it was so wild. Like so the bathroom was inexplicably like 700 yards away, literally from the table that they were eating at in the middle of this field. And um, they just keep getting lost and they keep like thinking that they're going to get like murdered in the woods, which I don't, you know, whatever. It's, yeah. And it, it is an experience, even if you're not a Real Housewives fan, I highly recommend watching that scene because Dorinda is already like half in the bag you know and she's like drunkenly explaining like what shakers are and she just keeps saying like they're shaking they, they, they like shake. To shake that's what happens <laughs> and you're like oh great thanks that explains everything it's so much Allison you would hate it because there's a moment when she excuses herself from the table to go to the ladies room and she's wearing a <gasps> full bodysuit so keep the that body suit. did you catch yes that? full bodysuit and so the other ladies have just come back and they're like oh my god the bathroom is like way over there and we've both been there Allison and I and it's like there are public bathrooms it's not like there's mm-hmm. one like way in the corner of this museum like they're spread out and inexplicably, she's like, I just, she comes back and they're like, wow, like you were fast. And she was like, I just went out in mother nature. And they're like, what? And she was like, yeah, I didn't go to the bathroom. I just 
relieve myself in the great outdoors. And then Brandy's like, wait, did you use hand sanitizer? And she just ignores the question. Yeah, Eva keeps going, did you use hand sanitizer? But did you wash your hands? Did you wash your hands? Because the, the rest of the show, Dorinda's been like getting very handsy with food. There's a scene in which she breaks apart <laughs> someone's lobster, not her own. Someone else's lobster. Allison, with her you hands. can't. It's so. It is so much. And when I noticed she was in a bodysuit, I was like, okay, so this woman went over by like seemingly the edge of woods. Although if you've been to Hancock, it's not like it's immediately surrounded by like a forest. And she had to fully take off her entire bodysuit to pee. So I'm like, you just you thought that was the move instead of walking 50 more feet to a private public bathroom. I'm just, I know she wasn't in her right mind. I'm just saying, and we can move on to another question. I'm just saying, I am thinking about this a lot. And also what Mother Anne would make of this. And I'll leave it there for now. Allison, please, please, I need answers. You have to go watch this. I just have to say one thing. This is Western Massachusetts, right? Mm -hmm. All I kept thinking about, like, this woman is peeing in the tall grass. I'm thinking ticks. Ticks, ticks, ticks. Like, does she want to end up with Lyme's disease a la Yolanda Foster? <laughs> Many of from them. From Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? A lot. I mean, like, I I mean. It was just in an experience. And then the Pentecostal choir that came out. Oh, no, the Baptist choir that came out. That um, was. So, Allison, was the episode ends with one cast member seemingly from nowhere being like, I think it's time all of us heal. They've all just been fighting with each other in purely made up situations for five days. Mm-hmm. And she calls out her own minister who appears out of nowhere to an outdoor dinner at Hancock Shaker Village. He delivers a brief sermon in which he asks them all to turn to each other and say, it's going to get better. Which I'm like, from what? Like, what? what are we healing from? And then a choir comes out. Mm-hmm. And serenades them. And Vicky, who was pre- anti-vax and a whole host of other things, was like, this is what I needed. Thank you. I feel healed. It's like, get the booster. That'll actually do it. I mean, not to well, disparage what this group COVID is doing. She at the beginning of the trip. Yes, she had COVID at the beginning of the trip and lied about it. And she was like, I feel full <laughs> of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, please don't bring them into this because they don't know what you're up to. Like, we do. And when they were like, we can get the booster soon, she was like, that's right. She was like, that's what they want you to do. And they're like, yeah, but isn't it good? And she was like, follow the money, follow the money. And it'll explain everything. It was like, what? And then Dorinda being like, well, you could get, you know, my daughter shouldn't have got her measles shot. And she was like, well, that was 100 years ago. So we know that that's a good idea. But this, I mean, we don't really know what's going to cure COVID or prevent you from getting COVID. And it's like, yeah, actually, we kind of do. Anyway, Mm -hmm. I could keep going on this. I won't. But I'm just saying there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, there's a lot there. No, it's okay. I mean, like, listen, Real Housewives, Ultimate Girls Trip, season two was, it was just, there's a lot to cover. There's a lot of ground to cover. I mean, I'll just say this. Vicki Goldison, who is most famous for uh, her fiance, Brooks, faking cancer Mm -hmm. on Real Housewives of Orange County, being an anti-vaxxer, that lines up, right? But um, her in bed uh her fiance who she hasn't like really been with for 13 months has broken up with her right before this trip has started and so she's in bed and she just says in like a truly vicky fashion if i die now let them know that i died sad (laughs) and i just i just feel like that was a real vibe that was a real mood that tells you everything really that tells you everything you need to know about it I, even if you don't watch Real Housewives, you could watch Ultimate Girls Trip and be like, this is insane. I love it. Mm-hmm. 100%. 10 out of 10. No, no. You know me. I'm a huge Housewives fan. So 
I was loving every single moment of it. Um, so the next question is also uh, has to do with uh, the dolls. So it's what's next after Courtney? So where do we go from Courtney? And that is from uh, Tara. So what do you what do you think? Like who comes next? Is it is it too soon to do a '90s doll? It's been like 30 years. I was born '93. I'm going to be 30 next year. So what would a 90s doll like look like? What is she experiencing? Who is she? Any ideas? Sorry. So a girl chronologically set after Courtney. Is that the question? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. They're, they're wanting to know like, because we obviously know that Claudia is yes. coming next. Claudia, is it Wilson? I think they changed it. She was going to be jones and then they changed the last so there are leaks about claudie and what's interesting is if she was coming out just a little bit sooner we'd be able to do her next but we're we're jumping into kit which is 1930s and then cloudy will be kind of the years between rebecca rubin and kit i feel like the only answer to this is that they would have a girl born around the same time that courtney's books are set And that girl would be watching the 1996 Summer Olympics and dreaming, but breaking her leg or or something of that ilk. Carrie Strug. Because I do feel like you could do a lot that's really interesting about 1996 with, like, the Clinton administration. I think there would need to be a plot line about, like, changes to the structure of welfare, the introduction of HIPAA. Like, she has parents who are involved in a legal space of some kind. I, I think that would be a pretty interesting book. Oh, yeah, that would be fascinating. And I wonder, too, like, is this book set in the DMV area? Gosh, I think that we have heard from so many different people, like, really, um, I think, excellent feedback that there has been, like, so much concentration of characters in, like, certain kinds of areas. And I do think a different, like, part of the American South would be really interesting or even sort of like Mm. the Pacific Northwest, I think, would present a really different opportunity. Like maybe she's there at the first Starbucks. I don't know. Maybe her older sister was the person (laughs) who made the zine that argued that Courtney Love murdered Kurt Cobain. And she invents the puck cup at Starbucks. Like there's, I think there's range Whoa. there that we're not like really ready for. That collaboration that, just And she can see Russia from her house. And so like her parents <laughs> are trying to teach her about the Cold War and she's not really receptive yes. to it. And she's like, just let me learn about Carrie Strug, mom. Like that's all I care about. And she's like, that's not even relevant to these Olympics. So I think that that's a possibility. I don't think you said it in Atlanta because that's a little bit too on the nose. And American Girl tends to do, like, just a slight pivot to the right. Like, Rebecca Rubin Mm. doesn't work in a factory, but she gets exposure to a factory. So I think it's, like, there's conversation about how Seattle is an up-and-coming city, and she's, like, learning about the history of her area while the Olympics are on in the background. But she's not herself an Olympian or a person from Georgia. Is she our first girl That would be Luciana, right? I mean... I don't know. Yeah. I mean, this is my, this is the nineties in Seattle. That's Microsoft, you know, like that's all I'm thinking about. That's a good point. I mean, we always support a woman in STEM. I would also love to see her like a burgeoning historian who's at war with herself because she wants to care about the American revolution, but the Spice Girls have convinced her that perhaps we shouldn't have 
pursued independence. Like it's different for us now. We can't be in relationship with Spice World in the way that we could had this not happened. That movie made such an impact on my life as a young child, you know? And um, I could see that happening. I can, I can definitely see that happening. If you weren't in the trenches of the late 90s renting Spice World on VHS and watching it every week and and just like eating your uh, Spice Girls Chupa Chupa lollipops while watching it, I mean, were you I could there? also see a girl who is very curious about the millennium and a girl who like stays up all night for the year 2000. I think that would actually be like just enough difference now and would have a lot that would be like fascinating to Gen Z and Gen Alpha, kind of like what would it be like to be on just a slightly different cusp of how technology was changing? Like a girl born in 1990 who's 10 in the year 2000, I think would make for a really, really interesting story. Like I was talking to folks the other day about car phones and that car phones were a novelty at the start of my lifetime in in my younger years. And now even that notion like seems antiquated and quaint because like you have the car phone, right? Like it's the way that that's changed in in one uh, less than one lifetime. So I think that would be a cool story as well. Um, but enough free ideas out into the universe. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Someone can write that. I would like, I would like the girl that you have just posited, who's you know Y2K. I would like her to have to call her classmate on the phone to ask about like what page is the homework because I feel like for millennials that was like a universal experience and I'll never forget um I used to be a nanny for many years and I was taking care of um one of the kids who was 15 at the time and we were eating ice cream and we were having a conversation she's such a lovely kid so all they were also lovely but we were talking about that and she was (laughs) she said to me I can't even get this out because I I don't think of myself I don't think 30 is old at all I don't think 40 is old I don't think 50 is old but just wait for it she says um so like when you picked up the phone because I was we we're talking about landlines uh did the operator connect you oh my god I was like how old do you think I am Ooh, wow she was like <laughs> and she was like oh like she I at first, I thought she was, you know, because she was like a very funny kid and she liked to be sarcastic, but it was like a genuine question. And I will never forget that. Um, I will treasure. I will take that with me forever. Did you did the operator? connect? <laughs> so where my mom worked, there was an operator because it was a hospital and the way that their system was set up. I remember when we first were not supposed to be calling her at work, you had to go through like a series of numbers. And then later we had extensions when we were not supposed to be calling her at work. And then later she had a cell phone when we were not supposed to be calling her at work. And the worst was when you had to go through like five channels and then someone would say like, she's not coming to the phone. (laughs) That was like whenever I called my dad at the library, I had his own, like he had his own personal line. But before that, I would have to, like, connect with, like, 15 people just to ask him, like, hey, can I have an ice pop? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) High stakes phone call. Love that. So they also want to know what's the future. Cam wants to know what's the future of AG. I feel like this question is kind of linked with, like, Courtney outside Claudie, which we know who there is a question about Claudie coming up. But what do you think is the future as in 
what other uh, decades or demographics do you think like might be missing or that you want to see, which was also a question submitted by Emmy. So what do you guys, what do you guys think? I think we're in a really uh, weird moment where brands generally, right? Like if you're on TikTok or you're on like certain platforms, like a lot of brands have handed over the reins to like younger and younger and savvier and savvier people, right? And so like the Duolingo owl is funny on TikTok or like Sponge Daddy has this certain kind of presence on the internet. And not every brand has done this, right? Like not every institution has done this, but when we started this and we would talk in 2019 about American Girl Dolls and astrology, that existed in a kind of like very niche podcast space. And now the brand itself like uses that language, right? Or they'll do like superlatives for Julie or like this is such a, a such and such like Aries move of this character. And so I think a lot of like fandoms and brand marketing have like formed a tight loop, right? Like they formed this kind of Gordian knot that never used to exist, where it used to be like, fans are doing these funny things. And now even like some of the meme account language has been taken on by the brand and vice versa, right? Like there's not these distinct camps that speak past or about each other, like they've collapsed in on each other. And I think that that will last for a period and then that will go away. Because I think there's something like very interesting happening right now with how like brands communicate in a very specific way with fandoms on some parts of the internet. But I think long term, like where are people spending money? Where is that revenue coming from? I think that's always ultimately what drives like the future of what's going to come out. I also think like they are consistently doing market research on like how long will millennials keep spending on stuff that's nostalgic? Because I don't think that will last forever either. Like I have spent a lot of money on various things. I'm still very curious, like the partnerships that they've taken on. I think that that like dense relationship will have a moment. And then I think within two, three years, they'll be doing something completely different. Like I think this is an era, not a complete longitudinal shift for the brand, if that makes sense. Like I'm not a marketing expert. That's just kind of like what I see on the internet, like stuff that we used to say kind of as jokes and that far more popular meme accounts say as jokes, that's made its way into like the bloodstream of the brand. That's I, that that never used to happen before. But it's kind of weird too, because I think there's some piece of this that's like, they don't, they've taken on stuff we've said on the show, but we've never been in communication with them. So, but they are now working with some fans to generate new content. So like Allison's saying, I wonder how long that kind of close collaboration will continue. And in terms of like stories that I want to see told, and again, I do not work for American Girl and they likely don't care about what I think and that's okay. But I mean, I'm here for like, I've said this before, I really want a shaker story, but in a broader way, I'm interested in kind of exploding like what it means to be an American Girl for girls in communities who are not necessarily like grounded in like American nationhood. Like I thought that's why Kaya's books were really interesting because she's coming mm. from a completely different place, but even and Josefina and thinking about, um, you know, how to kind of keep exploring that even in a more modern moment. Like what if you had someone in the sixties, almost like Winona Ryder when she was a child living in an ill-fated commune or something like that, like exploring 
kind of fringe stories that allow you to kind of tell different pictures about how people organize their own communities and their place within it. Like, can they kind of keep playing with what it means to be an American, an American girl in that kind of way? Like, I don't know. That's just kind of sometimes what I think about. I also feel like there is so much untaught potential with the 18th century and the brand. Mm -hmm. Mention Kaya. I can think about Mm. Felicity. You know, honestly, like we've answered this question like different times, different ways over the past three years. And someone tagged us in like a really beautiful post today about rereading the Addy books as an adult and kind of like what's that meant Mm. and being in conversation with people Mm. about it. And I actually really think there's like still such a place for going like much further back, right? And I think that this would test them in terms of the kind of accessories that people want to be selling right now and kind of pushing like without making it like quaint old timey things. But I really would love an 18th century character that takes us somewhere completely different that offers us something like really unexpected. I'm not trying to make the French and Indian War a thing like that's not my larger goal. But to your point about like rethinking nationhood. I think a different 17th century character, right, set sometime in like a great awakening would also be really fascinating. Like I'd actually like to get further away from the present because I think like a lot of the feedback we get from people and conversations we have, it's the quality of the Addie story and the differentness of her life that I think like really let people immerse themselves in a story that still has resonance all this time later, right? Like there are issues about racial Mm -hmm. division and segregation that last. And the fact that it is further away lets people say like, wow, that's really shocking, right? Like maybe that's something you were aware of or weren't aware of, but I'd really like, even if we took 1774 and we weren't in Felicity's world, I would love that. For me, when I think about this question, as somebody who grew up, um, you know, I'm Latina, Um, Latinx is also another term for it, but um, Josefina is really only the doll that I, I guess, saw a part of myself in, um, which I don't think is necessarily important to connecting with American Girl. You know, I connected with all the other dolls too, but for me, I would really like a Puerto Rican doll Mm -hmm. because the nationhood of Puerto Rico Um, and how Puerto Rico is a commonwealth but doesn't have any rights that states have and the treatment of Puerto Rico over the past you know 100 plus years up to today I think it's important to have that conversation because a lot of people really are not aware of what it, it means to be Puerto Rican like you're simultaneously American but you're not right Mm -hmm. you're you're treated essentially as a second class citizen in some ways you know you're not able to vote for a president but that president still dictates right a lot about what's going on how you can you know we saw this with hurricane maria um so i really like and for me growing up in the northeast in new jersey you know like puerto rican culture is just it's it's a part of the fabric um so i would i would love to see Um, maybe a Puerto Rican doll, you know, to kind of tackle that question. I also want to see, and I know this kind of goes against what we were just saying, but a Native American doll written (laughs) by somebody who is actually uh, Native American. And I would like to see that doll uh, closer to the present, because I think there's this really big story happening um, where a lot of times Native Americans are shown only in the past, which feeds into this 
falsehood that people internationally and even people here have that Native Americans don't exist somehow. And it feeds into this white supremacist uh, extinction, extinction narrative, which a lot of people use to make themselves feel better about being on stolen land um, and having to deal with like being a colonizer, even if your family immigrated in the 1800s, you're still sitting on occupied land, mm -hmm. you know? So I would, I would like to see that. I know those can be like the brand because it's owned by Mattel tends to shy away from stuff like that. But those are just two things that I, I could think of that I would like to see. Both great ideas. You know? Both great ideas. Yeah. You know, and hopefully like an East Coast tribe, like the Lenape, you know, I grew up uh, on occupied Lenape land and love to see something like that. Yeah, you know? totally. Totally. Yeah. I think those would be great. So a lot of people were asking, um, particularly Maggie, wanted to know what are your thoughts about Claudie's debut? Kind of like the rumors. What are you feeling? Um, it's set in the Harlem Renaissance, That's right? That's what's leaked. So the understanding as of right now is that Britt Bennett, who is the award-winning author of The Vanishing Half, is the author in that late August there will be a debut at the store. And there's also quite a lot of speculation about the narrative structure of the books that this may actually return to a pre-Be Forever format in some ways. Oh, that's so interesting. So is there gonna be like a six book series? I don't know. So people have shared different kinds of things. I think that that will be clear sooner. But if you go on a website and you try to pre-order, you do get some information, but there is going to be a kind of unveiling um, right around the time that this episode comes out. So when people are hearing this, there will already be kind of like a better sense of what's coming out. It's part of why it's hard for us to say, you know, how we would cover things and, and why Kit is the definite next for us, because sometimes these books come out various ways, right? Like we've been doing Rebecca, who was released as a six book drop all at once close to 20 years ago. But other dolls have been kind of coming out in drips and drabs or be forever and they, they've changed up the format many times i would be a little surprised if we saw kind of like the old white slender books with the six silhouettes but i could be totally wrong so who knows right like it kind of depends on again like who are they trying to get to buy these products and why for for me growing up next to new york and going into new york a lot um, and just seeing how much like how Harlem is becoming gentrified now, I think it's just really interesting timing. Um, and uh, if anyone hasn't watched it, uh, the Amazon show Harlem, mm -hmm. uh, which is about like four women, uh, four uh, African-American women who live in modern day Harlem. And it's kind of like, I don't know, like a better version of girls. It has like Megan Good and Whoopi Goldberg in it. <laughs> Too soon to say that, Annalie. We haven't done the rewatch, so. But maybe girls is, maybe it's just a companion piece to girls. It's a companion. I'm sorry, Allison. It's a companion piece. I didn't, I didn't executive produce girls. It's a period piece for well, me. So I, listen, okay. I, I am not saying that it is like a, a perfect show. It is interesting to me as an artifact of, of a decade ago because I feel that even three years ago is ex in an extraordinary long time now. True. And you know, that's so true. And you know, I feel bad, like I'm trying to like figure a way to compare it because I hate saying something that's like about female friendship is like sex in the city. Um, because I'm particularly am of that millennial age bracket that does not have any connection to sex in the city. Okay. Um, and 
I just didn't grow up with it, you know? So there's like no nostalgia of it. But I'm always like, okay, what do I, what do I compare this to? Like, you know, maybe there is no comparison. Maybe that's the answer. It's about female friendship. You know, it's like the Golden Girls or anything else. I also think no one needs to defend anything they watch ever because I watch total trash and it's like, it's not good and that's fine. But you know, I've never heard of that show, Annalie, and I am going to write it down and I will check it out. You said it's on Amazon? It's on Amazon. I know I'm a terrible person for watching Amazon Prime shows, but listen, there's some really good content on there. We will check this it out. This is a judgment-free zone. Thank you. 100%. It's about Megan Good, who is a co-adjunct professor at Columbia of Anthropology. And it's all about how friendship changes in your late 30s, early 40s, and how do you navigate that? But with the added sort of uh, intersectionality of these are um, Black women, Black queer women um, trying to navigate life in a, a city and in a, in a part of the city that is rapidly changing right before their eyes. They do tackle the sort of gentrification that's going on in Harlem currently. So cool. I don't know, just like. Thank you. We'll check it out. It's a great show. And it, it's reminding me about like, you know, all this stuff, like coming up with the Harlem Renaissance, you know. It should be it should be it should be interesting um so nymeria asks this is what kind of where we're shifting into uh a little bit more of the book questions once again um which adult from the ag books deserves their own spinoff the most and what is the genre which like does miss manderley have a romance novel does um does uh I'm like blanking on everybody's name right now because of course because I'm having to think about things. It's okay. <laughs> Allison, do you have any hot takes on I'm this? I'm always gonna come for Sarah from the Addie books because I would love to see where life takes her. I think something like as we've gone back and reread all of these, there are so many wonderfully rich characters. And I think we've had the most fun with Uncle Guard and Aunt Cornelia, and I think they would be fun in a sci-fi they would be fun in any kind of genre <laughs> someone i've been thinking about a lot lately based on like different feedback and things i've seen on the internet and also speculation that kirsten is coming back to the american girl primary market i really would be curious like where life takes her because we made a lot of speculation about her politics and different things and i also think it's like almost as likely that locusts ruin her life so she's someone that i would honestly meet at any point and have a lot of fun does she end up getting together with her teacher which isn't appropriate but could have happened yeah so Damn. that's where that's i there are so many characters i do think miss manderley would be a delight there's some i'm kind of all set with like elizabeth from the felicity books I'd like there to be more with Emily Bennett than there is, but I don't I don't know that I need to go there. That's what my answer was actually Emily oh. Bennett and I was going to actually suggest I would love like a fan fiction or like a world in which Emily goes home like during or shortly after the war comes back to like maybe go to school and college or something and then she kind of has a series where it's like she's the British Nancy Drew. But she's investigating, like, American imperialism through, like, seemingly meaningless mysteries on the ground. I love that. She's, like, I, I see her at one of the Seven Sisters. Oh. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
Yes, I can like see a, that too. Like a Bryn Mawr, you know? <laughs> My shoe is Yar. I can see I can see here there. I would, I mean, so now I'm thinking about it. Actually, the Miss Manderly thing was put in my head because people were talking about it on the Discord and I subconsciously just somehow, and I was thinking about that. Um, so shout out to whoever on the Discord said that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I was thinking Nellie talking about being adopted, you know, because I think wow. like life with, you know, Aunt Cornelia and Uncle Guard, particularly after the baby comes, and being like the oldest and going through so much, particularly like- <clears throat> Anneli, I'm mean... sorry, I have to stop you right now. Are you suggesting that Uncle Guard and Cornelia are gonna reproduce? Cornelia is yeah. going to. Wait, Cornelia. Doesn't we in the movie, they, do they have that in the movie? But Uncle Guard, you think like this marriage was ever consummated? No. You mean like, do I think it's a lavender marriage? Yes. Uh, but Boston marriage is only between two women, right? Um, I do think, I mean, yes, I do think it's a okay. Marriage, I just wanted to check but, in on that. All views are accepted, but you know, people have children, you know, they That's find a true. Way. I mean, I just somebody sent me today an article that's in the Washington Post about two men who allegedly may have been in a relationship who both died in the Titanic, and one of them was married with children. He just moved away from them at some point, was like, I'll send you guys a check periodically. I'm going to do me. He was a government worker. Like, you know, Listen, things you happen. Do what you got to yeah. do during the time. Sure. You know, I'm misremembering things because my brain is like mush. But for some reason in my mind, in the movie, they allude to it. I mean, but they probably I, do. I could just be blanking on that. I would just like, in general, just to see like a book about adult Nelly, like dealing with like what, like, I just can't imagine that you go from like, having these like great parents who you love and then they both die tragically and then you're put in an orphanage and then your uncle by the way the alcoholic irish uncle rough we don't need that real rough yeah we don't we don't need that we get um, it and then and then all of a sudden these like rich people who have no idea they have no idea how to connect with you they like even if they're really well-intentioned like can they even like raise a child that they don't really fully understand like what she's been through and has seen more hardship in her nine years than they likely will in their entire life. Like, how do you, like, I would love to see that. I would love to see like, um, oh God, what's the name of those? Like, like just like, like a coming of age book like that where it's like really angsty and she's like talking about that. I'd love to see an angsty Nelly book. And I'd like to see where her relationship with Samantha goes. Cause you know, when they get older, they're, they're going to be like, at loggerheads. Yeah, they're not talking by age 20 and Nellie is a muckracker and that yeah that's yeah I think I've seen what I need to see with Nellie like that's me personally but I think I think like the Samantha world is extremely rich and I think there is a world in which Samantha and Rebecca Rubin meet Ooh. oh yeah I was just thinking about that today very cool I think I think Samantha is like one of those people that's like anti-union you know, because in the last book, Rebecca's all she's she's uh she's like, you know, it's all about her discovering the labor rights movement and the unions. And so I would love to see factory owner Samantha. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. I think she's pro union, but I think she's not pro IWW. And I think that Rebecca and Anna joined the IWW very young, but I think that Samantha is not pro big tent union. 
And I think Samantha has a radicalizing experience one time while working for the TVA in Georgia. (laughs) And like a lot of stuff comes out and she flirts with FDR. Whoo, I was kind of, I love that. I love that plot line. I was kind of wondering if she would be kind of like an undercover boss. Like she marries some kind of captain of industry and basically she's like guys like you know i love my lifestyle i love how things are but she like stumbles into the factory one day and like sees it's really bad and then basically she's like guys i fixed it and then she gives them an equivalent of like a gift card to bed bath beyond and she's like i did it guys here you go yeah that's it that's it that's the energy as somebody who is descended from like factory workers who were like very pro-union and like my parents are both like my mom's a teacher my dad's a librarian like we're a pro-union household there is something about samantha that like was very difficult for me to connect with growing up interesting Hmm. and that's the energy that's the energy that's totally what it is she's not going to give daycare She's not going to give health care. She's not going to give you any any sort of thing that will have any sort of impactful meaning on your life. But she will give you that that Bath & Beyond gift card um, during the holidays. I mean, look, those coupons never expire. So my one here in California, they only take one coupon now. I don't know. Not but, okay. but Bath & Beyond is no longer a friend of the people. <laughs> we are not affiliated with Beth, Bath & Beyond. <laughs> we are not affiliated with them. No. Nor it sounds like will we ever be. I don't know if we just dropped. We lost our sponsorship deal. They're like, I'm no. sorry. They're like, it's not going to Edit happen. this out. Edit this out. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so this one is uh, from Spring, and it's which book series would benefit from a rewrite? I think this was really intriguing because... It's something that y'all have talked about quite a bit, about some tweaks. So I'd like I'd like to hear your response. I'm, I'm it's interested. Kaya. That, that's it for me. I, I feel like we have had comments and quibbles about various other things, but I think Kaya is the one that feels to me like the most rich for potential for a rewrite. And I think other decisions could have been made with the feedback from the communities of the Nez Perce that were involved. And I think the authorial voice being different would change the outlook on that entirely. I agree with that. I would also say Felicity could do with some editing around its depictions of slavery. But yeah, I agree about the Kaya books. I mean, at least Felicity like has its like bonkers, crazy moments that are entertaining. But Kaya, it's like, I would edit for story and I would edit for just like taking the feedback from actual Nez Perce peoples. It'd be cool if somebody actually just did that on their own. Yeah, I, I definitely think Kaya needs to be written by an actual Native author, um, because if, when we talk about kind of, you know, I'm in school for librarianship, and we talk about epistemic supremacy, and which is basically a fancy way to say how white supremacy is perpetuated through information systems. And I think that's not something that people talk about a lot. Like, for example, did, it, did Hoover was a librarian Herbert Hoover, not Herbert Hoover, Jesus Christ, J. Edgar Hoover. Where is my brain going? <laughs> You're on it. J. Edgar Hoover was a librarian who used libraries as a way to perpetrate violence towards Black communities um, and Black liberation movements. So when we talk about epistemic supremacy in relationship to Native Americans in particular, we're particularly talking about how um white supremacy in this country seeks to 
um, say, this is how you get information and you get information from libraries, you get them from books, you get them from primary sources, but a lot of Native American information systems or oral traditions. And instead information is importantly passed down um, from generation to generation. And so a lot of things <laughs> that I'm just, I'm just saying like, you just can't access if you're not part of that community. Um, and so what gets left out when somebody who is not Nez Perce writes a book about a young Nez Perce girl, who number one doesn't have that life experience, but also like just does not have that information. Um, so yeah, I think I think definitely somebody who's actually Nez Perce writing that book would be super, super important and it needs to be done. For sure, yeah. Listen, Herbert Hoover, J. Edgar Hoover. Herbert Hoover is like, damn, I'm not This is a bad. pro Herbert Hoover podcast. I well, know. It's a like, I don't hate Herbert. This is a, this is a this is a space that allows for complexity with Hoovers, especially Lou Hoover. Listen, Lou, Herbert yes. Hoover, he was what he was, right? But he wasn't J. Edgar Hoover. Wow. <laughs> Annalie, like, did you come here to make friends with Allison? You're, like, hitting all of her spots. I feel like I have total Swiss cheese brain, and I'm just, like, just kind of muttering along, and I'm just, like, things are slipping out about me that I just didn't know. I, I just didn't know. You're I learning about yourself. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't know. I was so sympathetic to Herbert Hoover, but I think all the research that I've been doing about kids just, it's really changing my perspective, you know? He really got a raw. We'll come deal. back. We'll come back to Hoover. I'm, <laughs> wow. not, I'm not able to speak succinctly Woo! about Hoover. Today. That was that was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Oh boy. Uh, we'll move on to the next question, and you know, we'll just we'll revisit this at a later time. Um, this question is is not about books. It's 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 a very. I would actually like to know your answers. It's from Hannah, and they ask, "What's your favorite chatty podcasts to listen to?" And that chatty is in all caps, so they strictly chatty. Mary, you go first. Okay, so just off the dome, in terms of stuff I listen to every week, um, I'm a longtime bitch sesh listener, which is a Real Housewives recap podcast, and I don't have time to take in all of the Real Housewives content, so it kind of keeps me up to date. But I also really love Casey Wilson, who was on Happy Endings, and Danielle Schneider, the co-host. I like their rapport, and so you don't really have to even watch the shows; you can enjoy the shows, the podcast, even if you don't watch. I also listen to Who Weekly, which Allison got me into, and I love that. I listen to that every week. And that's really helped me, especially during the pandemic, as I've had to kind of limit my news intake because I just couldn't take on all of the depressing stuff. I'm aware of it, didn't want to be saturated with it. So I listen to that every week. And I've also recently, somebody recommended to me Las Culturistas, which is with Bowen Yang and Matt Rogers. And I somebody recommended this to me, so I'll share that if you're new to the show, they did a three-episode um, series on the 300 greatest global songbook. So they count down what they think are the greatest 300 songs of all time. And, you know, it's just very funny. The criteria is nonsensical, and it's mainly just, like, their jokes and their, like, insane recall of music stuff. But, you know, it's kind of like our show in a sense of, like, they 
take pop culture seriously. So they're kind of joking around, but they also have insane knowledge of things, which I enjoy. The number one song, if you're curious, is Demi Lovato's Cool for the Summer, Ooh. which I agree with. And got uh, got to go with that. And um, so that's been really cool. And then um, Sam Sanders, who was on um, NPR, just moved to uh, Vulture or Variety, I think Vulture. And he just debuted his new show, Into It, which I've listened to the only the Beyonce episode, but I enjoy it. So those are my recommendations. How about you, Allison? Oh, that was a really good answer. And I know this, Hannah, from Twitter, and I'm going to really disappoint you because I don't listen to chatty podcasts. And even some of the ones Uh-oh. you're mentioning are no longer part of my rotation. So Really? No. <gasps> so um, I'm currently really into the 48 Hours podcast. I really like that. It's clean. It's linear. Crime Writers On is my every Monday podcast that I listen to the second it comes out, besides ours, obviously. Um, I also love Obsessed with Disappeared, which is a true crime show, but I have really cut back on my content. I also feel like people aren't going to like this answer, but I love a show called Small Town Murder, and they do three-hour episodes and one-hour episodes, and that is like gentleman chatter. But Mary, you know I have like a secret life where I listen to like men's podcast so i i don't want to like fully divulge the range of content that i listen to um allison lets me know like we both got into tiktok way more during the pandemic and allison's algorithm has taken her to a place where she lets me know about like male podcast tropes that i don't get to see so like what was that joke allison or like what was those things you sent me and i was like oh i've like never seen this before so i will say there is one male podcaster who i listen to all the time the second his content comes out i don't download it. I really enjoy listening to it. I am fascinated by men talking about what they call evolutionary biology, which is actually them speculating about how the world works. And I just, I take such delight in it and I listen to it in a very specific kind of way, but I would not publicly advertise like I am a fan of this person. I am a consumer of like a certain set of materials. I'll just say it. It's a free country. They know I listen to uh, Jack Harlow. So I listen to all the Jack Denmo content and he is sort of like a Canadian squire of a certain kind of comedy and it it reaches me in like a very specific kind of way um that i just find very fascinating he went viral for suggesting that um men and women deal with gravity differently so if that gives you any kind of sense of like i don't know who wait you know who this is honestly i don't know who this is wait a second it was a it was a huge, like a huge thing on, what was, on TikTok. What's his name, Jack? So it's the Jack Dunmo show, but he remains big. Okay. He started his show with this duality of good bro, bad bro, and men discussing things from like different yes. perspectives. But the um the quote unquote good bro is no longer part of the program, and now he it interviews other men. I find it fascinating from the perspective of like, you know, when we were talking about girls earlier. I think part of why I like that show is people talk in very long sound bites and monologue on that show. And I think part of where like why Lena Dunham struck a nerve is like she had to make her own show for there to be a place where she could talk like that, right? And obviously way more people and way different people and not nepotism babies should get that opportunity. But like we also did that. 
right? Like we wanted to have a place where like we could talk about certain things. So we literally had to make it. And I find it fascinating to see like who else is making spaces for the things they want to talk about, even if I don't agree with them, right? Like I want to know what's happening Mm. in those other spaces. And that doesn't mean that I tolerate all material or that I will listen to anything, but I am curious about like what's out there. It's it's not too dissimilar to like watching a lot of reality TV, particularly for me, The Housewives, because there's a lot of things that like, obviously, I do not agree with. Um, So I think it's just like, it's just about kind of like, um, curiosity. And like, I think if so, I'm not a historian, I'm a, you know, I'm trained to become a librarian, but I have a degree in history and political science. And I think what links people about their interest, you know, surrounding history is just like a curiosity about how other people like existed and lived and how other societies functioned. So I see it as like, you're like, oh, like, how do these men like think? Like it is, it's, it fascinates you. It's kind of like how, like when you watch Housewives and you're like watching some of these women, you're like, what was your thought process there? You know, that got you to that point. So I, I totally get that good times i just have to reflect that jack denmo's instagram which i will look at later is very much set up like one of my brothers where it's almost entirely selfies yes that's tough one of my brothers it's like he only posts selfies it's his brand and that's what i'm seeing here so i'll have to i'll have to circle back but yeah i don't know who this is so i will look into this but thank you it's tough to hear because as somebody who like has to like take 500 pictures to get one they like like i could not fathom having the courage to just constantly be like another banger, another banger, you know, <laughs> I'm going to eat this up. I don't know if courage is what's required to actually do this, but it's my brother and I were just at a family wedding and I took a picture of him and he literally grabbed my phone and was like, I must see that photo. And then he was like, I deleted it for you. He he was like controlling everyone. Which celebrity content. do you think would be the most similar to Rebecca Rubin on Instagram? Because we're going to presume wow. that she reaches celebrity status are we seeing like salads? Are we seeing a lot of ads? Are we seeing her? Or are we seeing like a Taylor Swift type, like, you know, grid pattern? Like, what are we seeing from her? Mm. I don't think salads. I don't think a lot of brand deals. I just feel like somebody, I feel like a Mark Ruffalo, Jane Fonda type. Interesting. You know? I, yeah, I could see that. I Maybe Shailene Woodley. You know, shifting into that if we go a little Ooh. left. That's, that's, that's unkind. I mean, do we want to wish that on anybody? No. I, but I mean, yeah. But I mean, like, it could happen. It could, I mean, like, listen, I, I want Mark Ruffalo and Jane Fonda kind of energy, but listen, this is like Hollywood. Things get go to people's heads. We've seen it happen. What's the name of that? Um, the person on SNL, she's not on it anymore, Vanessa. Fire. I think that's the energy I see for her where it's like she's comedic, but she's also making she's writing her own shows because maybe she doesn't get cast the way she wants. And she hasn't lost her Jewishness that informs like her public persona. She's proud of it. You know, like that's kind of what I see where she doesn't really take herself too seriously. She's not doing brand deals, but she's not opposed to it, depending on what the brand is. I don't know. I mean, that's just what came into my mind, but I'm not going to say Leah Michelle that also no. came into my mind because no, absolutely we can't not. have that Mm-mm. not in this space. No. no, she she's she's not she's not a she's not that. 
you know no. I, I i definitely see like i i can see vanessa buyer who's extraordinarily funny and i love whenever she's on bitch sesh um she's just she's like i can see that that works mm-hmm. i love that Speaking of that, I will recommend one other chatty podcast, which is Normal Gossip. Yes. Okay. My wife is obsessed with that show. And I feel like I've heard it only because she's basically described every episode to me in almost real time. But and I say that with love. Like it's it does sound right up my alley. I don't know why I'm resisting it. But Allison knows this about me. Like people can recommend something to me. But until I'm ready to receive it, like she recommended Who Weekly to me. And then it took me a while to actually like lock on to it but once I did I was into it so I'm sure I'll like it but it's what is the premise it's like a woman sharing actual just normie gossip stories that are submitted so people submit either their story or like a story that they've heard and all the names are changed the professions are changed uh, like everything is changed um for anonymity and the host always invites like a guest on typically somebody who's like a comedian or a writer and she tells them the story like it's I heard this story from a friend of mine and it is some of them are like just like pretty like okay like I can see that happening but some of them are wild like the twists and turns there's this one about this group of women in Los Angeles who live in like Los Feliz this like group of close friends who start writing real person fic so it's you know we're already headed down sort of a very difficult path and um, and it's about real person fic about podcast hosts, which is why I'm bringing it up now. Um, and it, it really just takes a turn um, that you don't you don't see coming. Oh my gosh. Turns. Wow. Um, highly recommend it. OK. Uh, but yeah, I, I get that. Like when people like recommend stuff to me, I'm like, OK, like, yes, ideally, I would like that. But you have to let me come to it my own time. Thank you. That's it. So maybe maybe soon I will come to it. Yeah. I mean, I don't really want I listen to like a lot of chatty podcasts. I mean, I don't, like I listen to a lot of informational podcasts, you know, mm. so like I'm I'm probably terrible at this if it's not related to housewives. <laughs> like I, I listen to like five housewives podcasts per week, like everything iconic with Danny Pellegrino, who's very, very funny, um, mixing with Monty, like bitch sesh, like it's just it's too much. So no, nobody's every so if you opened up my podcast app, it would be like hell for most people. <laughs> Um, so the next question, uh, what Anne of Green, this is by Samantha F. They asked, what Anne of Green Gables character are you? And do you want to say why this matters to you? Why the stakes are high? I'm actually named after Avon Lee. So like, I feel, and this is like a big part of my childhood. My sister was obsessed with Anne of Green Gables. We would watch it all the time when I was like, uh, when my, you know, my mom was pregnant with me. Um, my dad asked my sister, like, what do you want to name your, what do you want to name your sister? And she was four at the time, keep in mind. Um, and she was like, oh, Avon Lee. And my dad was like, oh, that's like close. But like, what about something else? And they landed on Annalie. So it's, it, you know, it, it it's important to me. And stakes are high. The stakes are high. And like, I loved Anne with an E and then season three happened and then it was really tough. So like, it, it's been a rough couple of years for all of us Anne of Green Gables fans. All the Anne heads. Yeah. I mean, so I'll just say to me, I always want to be Anne. And I'm my history with the franchise is I've read 
the books. And then I watched the 1980s iconic miniseries starring Megan Fellows, which is the only adaptation I will acknowledge. I didn't watch Anne with Any because I couldn't. I can't get Megan Fellows out of my head. Like, she is Anne to me. And also Diana, like the actress who plays Diana. And we won't even get into the Gilbert of it all, R.I.P. That actor has passed. I even watched part three, which fans of the series know is like unhinged because the screenwriters just kind of threw the books out the window and were like, but what if she went to World War One? And like, what if things went sideways? So I guess for me, it's like I appreciate Diane. I think she's a really good friend to Anne, but I would still want to be Anne despite or maybe because of her chaos and just her her energy. Like as a fire sign, I feel it. Um, yeah, that's my answer. Very Leo of you. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes you have to just own it. I, it's Leo season. Thank you. I'm Beth March because Allison. I've never read these books or watched any of it. So oh, we, every yes. time we open this door, people want <laughs> Anne content and I would like love to make them happy and provide. But I have no I don't have red hair. I'm Beth March. So. Ooh. Wow. Beth That's March. That's your I'm answer. There you go. That's your answer. I love that. So do you have any sort of rapid fire questions that we can like power yes, through? Yes, we do. We okay, do. Cool. We do. Alice uh, Alice asked, they said way back, Allison said uh, something about not believing in space. I think about this daily, daily. Please elaborate. Now, coincidentally, when I was thinking about questions for this pod, my rapid fire question that came to mind based off a uh, conversation we had is just like you can just do Rebecca and Kit if you want space or the ocean. So if I don't know, like what if you if you want to remind people like what your theory is and then tell us space or the ocean, I'd um, love to hear. So I don't. So I actually DM'd this person privately because I needed to know if she actually thought about me every day or if that was a joke. And she was like, "No, I do think about this a lot." So we actually had a really cool conversation. So for wow. me, it's always going to be the bottom of the ocean. And I, I literally have asked everyone I work with, and I ask people this constantly: Mars or the bottom of the ocean? And part of what I'm measuring is how long they bring up their desire to colonize Mars. It's always going to be the bottom of the ocean for me. Um, it's not that I reject space conceptually; it's that I refuse to believe it fully. So I'll, I'll leave it there because I've already mentioned like a lot of out of pocket wow. topics today. Mary, ocean or space? Wow. <laughs> ocean okay, for wonderful. me per use yeah um Anneli. ocean and the thought of space just really terrifies me i like it and i'm intrigued by it but black holes even if you ever think about those long enough i'm not coming tough. back here's the no, thing if you. you send me to space i'm not coming back because i'm i'm not, not blowing my nose after having seen the universe i'm not doing it I refuse to accept it as what? a concept. I'm not tying my shoes. I'm not going grocery shopping. I'm barely doing that as is. I would refuse to live a life with any banal activities whatsoever if I'd been to space. If I go, I don't want to oh. say a spoiler from a film. Okay. I'm disconnecting and I'm floating away. That's it. So, But think about this, Allison. Like Buzz Aldrin guest starred on Golden Girls when he came back. Like there was life for him was after there? the moon. Like, Rock, he was on too. Golden Girls. Yeah, Wait, he was on 30 Rock. We'll talk about that some other time. Oh, man. Okay, next question. Next question question is uh, AG Girls as seltzer flavors. That was submitted by uh, Emily, not Emma. 
Okay, Emily, not Emma. Um, so for Kirsten, I'm picking lemon because lemons are traditionally a cure for scurvy. And I think of all the girls, she's the one most likely to get, catch a waterborne disease or like a vitamin deficiency. So that's just kind of where I'm coming from with that. Um, Allison, do you want to trade off? Do you have other yeah, thoughts on this? Yeah, I was going to say, I think that Josefina has a kind of cherry alignment because I think she finds that kind of like rootiness and richness fascinating. You do Felicity. Um, I don't actually know for Felicity. I need to think about that. I, I was think thinking, yeah. Coconut, because it's really controversial. Yeah. You either like it or you hate it. Coconut <laughs> LaCroix, people either say it tastes like yeah. suntan lotion or they love it. Interesting. Or it could be pineapple. Like, that's bougie for people during the uh, colonial era. That's true. Well, that's why I was thinking, actually, pomegranate for Samantha, because I thought she would kind of delight in the bougie-ness of that, like, the availability of that non-native fruit or flavor. But, I don't know, Allison, do you have other thoughts for Samantha? No, I think that that's spot on. I think that Addie and Sarah do research on, like, which seltzer is least likely to break down your teeth, because, like, they're very thoughtful about that kind of thing. And I think like that's the direction that they go in. And since certain polar or I mean, certain seltzer companies have chosen to never sponsor us, like we just won't say. Wow. I'm still heartbroken about that. I was also going to recommend Lime for Addie because I believe she makes sugar cookies yes. in the books. And I do think that Lime would pair well with sugar cookies. I also just believe that Molly would be passion fruit for reasons I don't feel the need to explain, but like anything with passion in it is what I choose for Molly. But Allison, did you have a different feeling about So Molly? I left three cases of seltzer in my car overnight and it's been 95 degrees. And I just feel like that's a thing that Molly does also. <sighs> wow. Yeah, I think that's true. Are they going to explode? Right. I don't that know. Right. That's like for me and others to determine at a later point. Please, please check, refer <laughs> back to us. Let us know yeah, if it's I safe. I I just like just like the thought of having like weaponized seltzer just like it's like a like a ticking ticking bomb ready to go off it is and you know you got to take care of yourself you got to pick the flavors that are right for you like at my wedding the we had a barbecue place be the caterer and they had a brand of seltzer that i will not name that i will not drink and i basically was like i will provide my own seltzers for myself and my guests because we can't be exposed to this. So I feel like choosing... Is it a certain Wisconsin-based company? I don't know what that is, but you can... I'll tell you off air. How's that? Okay. But um, Allison knows what brand it is. It's it's not for me, and that's okay. It's totally fine for it to be for everyone else. But I was like, we all got to have what we need. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I really hope that we've guessed correctly for these girls. And for Rebecca, I'm saying grapefruit. And I chose that purposefully because it's the name of a book by Yoko Ono about experimental performance art. And I do think that Rebecca would identify with that in some ways. Also, I just think it's like a, like a really classic, classy flavor, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that's like what I think about Rebecca, just like drinking it right, right, right now. Grapefruit grapefruit is an elite flavor. It's, it's great. I think it's all my top flavor. Accurate. Grapefruit and then pomegranate are my two top flavors, then passion fruit. <laughs> I mean, saying. passion fruit's controversial if you like a certain type of uh... LaCroix. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so nasty. Excuse me? <laughs> Annalie, it's really unfortunate that you're having oh, no. your employment terminated live <laughs> on air, but 
no, just no, no. how it goes. I'm thinking about the bubbly mm. one. The bubbly passion fruit oh, is nice a letdown. Yes. I have like, I agree. cans left over. And like, there's never leftover cans of seltzer in my house. And my sister and I have two cans left over because it's just like, oh, it's, it's, it's not bad, but it's not good. It's you not know? the LaCroix kind. You know what I mean? Gotta have that one. Do you one. have a final question for us? Yeah. So, um, okay. So I uh, let me just like name three oh. really quick here. And then you tell me which ones you want to answer. So we have Real Housewives taglines. I do have a couple options. We have, are Rebecca and Kit both Virgos or are they Leos? It's a toss up. I have evidence for both. Um, are they coffee or tea drinkers, or do you want to take the um, favorite pop star slash divas of the dolls? How about we each halfway on in on one of them? I feel like Rebecca is not a Virgo, and I will say that she is probably a coffee drinker as soon as that becomes easy for her to do. I see that. I mean, she's a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. I think she's going to employ one of the twins as her assistant, and they will get yes. her coffee. What's her coffee order? I mean, this is the 19, what, like, Ooh. 30s, 40s when she's acting. So, like, I mean, I know we're limited, but is she a sugar gal? Is she, is she like, is she a milk no. gal? Like, what? what is she? Just, Just black. black. She smelled too much sour milk in her life. When that cup comes to her, she wow. needs to know Deep. that cool. everything is going to be above board. It's It's a black cup of coffee. I can't speak to taglines, but I feel like, Mary, you might have a few that would, like, work well for the gals. I was thinking about Samantha, and I was thinking hers might be, my uncle says I'm a queen, but, like, Gwen Stefani, I'm just I a like girl. I like it. Oh, that's good. Um, that's and good. for Rebecca's, Leah Michelle isn't the only funny girl in Ooh. the city. Ooh. So something people can really look forward to as we continue to work with you is you are going to be making all sorts of supplemental material for Kit. We are not quite there yet. After you hear this episode, we are staying in the Lower East Side with Rebecca just a little bit more, but we have some really awesome things lined up. We got DMs that were sort of adjacent to this mailbag episode where people said, I wonder if you could ask this person a question. We will. Or if you could ask this institution a question, we also will. So kind of stay tuned for all of those things because there's a lot that we can't answer to kind of wrap up Rebecca as well. Perfect. And so, Anneli, thank you for your service. We so appreciate you. Thank you for asking these questions, for all the work you've done for the pod. And Allison, if people want to get in touch with us about any of this, where might they find the show? Yeah, so you can find me and my Chatty List podcast uh, feed uh, at Allison Horrocks on Instagram and on Twitter. You can follow the show by starting at our website. You can find all of our socials and everything else. Uh, we also have a link tree that has everything, including links to our merch. Mary, what about you? You can find me to talk seltzer and literally anything else on Instagram at Mimi Mahoney. That's probably the best place to find me. I'm also on Twitter at Mary Mahoney 123. And Anneli, we would ask you, but we're going to protect your privacy. So we're just going to say if people want to write to you, they should write to the show. And we will gladly pass any and all messages along. Um, So thank you again for being here for all your great work this summer. And, you know, we'll see everyone on our next episode. Thanks for having me. Thank you.